Hi, I'm Stephanie Sanditz, and I'm on the School of Hollywood. Hi, this is Steve Owens with School of Hollywood. And Stephanie, I'm glad to have you here today. I just watched your pilot. It is absolutely hilarious. And I swear that you have Larry David caught up in your head somewhere <laughs> <laughs> with a humor. I mean, come on. It's a mixed religious family dealing with death, and you all get naked. And you're pill popping. <laughs> Doesn't that happen every day? That's not what you do with your family? <laughs> uh, no, I not exactly. That's okay. <laughs> so how did you come up with this crazy idea? And tell us a little bit more about the pilot. Sure. Um, it's loosely autobiographical, I like to say. It kind of touches on a lot of different themes. But just to sum up the pilot, I, I grew up as what I say is a Christmas tree Jew, which meant that my father was Jewish, but not really practicing. And my mother was Christian. And I was always curious about religion. And I went, I moved away from my family and went to New York and was kind of seeking things out as an artist. And I became a reviewer of all of these bars and theaters and um, right out of college. And during this time, I was still kind of seeking you know, I'd come back and we'd always have these religious uh, celebrations where people were supposed to be seen and not heard. And during this time, I had a very, very successful aunt that I idolized, who was one of the executive vice presidents of MasterCard. And she was also materialistic. And um, she had three Beamers and a personal shopper at Neiman's. And unfortunately, she developed ovarian cancer. And she battled it for 10 years and then ultimately died. And all of the family who hadn't talked for a while decided to get together essentially to read her will. And when we did, we were all shocked to discover that her dying wish was for the whole family to get together, get naked, and hike her ashes to the top of a nudist Buddhist monastery that she'd secretly joined the last 10 years of her life as she battled cancer and found peace. So <laughs> we did that. My completely repressed, not groovy, not communicative family hiked a Ziploc bag of ashes up a mountain, and it was, as you can imagine, chaos ensued. And so the pilot also goes into further themes of that being a wake-up call towards everyone kind of questioning religion, questioning their own mortality, and also like all of us realizing that we all are kind of living double lives. That's what I'll say for now. <laughs> well, you're also kind of living a little bit of double life. Uh, also, I saw it in the trailer and also on the show um of you with a pill popping then getting fired uh as an, an actress <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alerts yeah <laughs> that's okay um so tell me about the process you went through to get it funded because it wasn't bought by a network to start off with and i know she had a page with about three four hundred people at the tail end uh, giving special thanks yes. and i assume that was a crowdfunding kind of a situation yes. So I know it's not it's not necessarily um, normal to shoot an independently produced pilot, um, mainly because a lot of times you won't get your money back or hopefully the show will get picked up. You'll probably, even if you use the same cast, have to reshoot it. Um, but I just, it's really hard in Hollywood to not, to try to eliminate gatekeepers, you know, to, to sell a pitch, you have to get a studio to buy it. And so um, a bunch of women and I, particularly it started out with this woman named Kimberly McCullough, who's now an incredibly successful director. She was also an actress on General Hospital. She really believed in my voice, kind of, um, I'd say like grounded family characters that all kind of have secrets brimming beneath the circus, circuit surface, um, also a circus. Uh, you know, and I always kind of say that I like to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And she wanted to do a project with me um, we initially started out that we wanted to crowdfund for a full-length feature, and 
We ended up raising money, but it wasn't enough to make the feature. And so I had come up with this. I had gone through this experience and decided that I wanted to write about it. Um, and it was based similar themes. And so she ended up getting this great job directing for High School Musical. And she was like, why don't you just use the money and do it? And I had all of these other women, all very successful in different realms of their career, um, that all just kind of joined behind me and were like, let's do this. So, you know, I got another director, I got three different producers, um, and then just kind of, and everyone was, you know, real pros that came on board. And, and then the cast is insane. It was wonderful to work with these really talented pros who essentially are getting paid SAG low budget and willing to, um, I think, you know, a good 10% of our budget was Spanx because we didn't want to, we didn't really feel like anyone had to necessarily get naked. Um, but so to get these amazing actors that would come on, you know, for SAG low budget and hike up a mountain essentially naked in the middle of su the summer, I just felt really blessed. Everyone just kind of thought the story was so unique. And um, I just really wanted to do everything from top to bottom and um, kind of championing it all was one of the most, was one of the best weeks of my life. How embarrassed did the actors get when you all had to do the naked scene? <laughs> you know, I mean, I think when they just, you know, I think you read yourself out by committing to do the project, you know, Sherry Weston, who played the grandmother, like God bless her, was just super free. Um, I did, I did write it in that no one necessarily had to show everything. Um, mm -hmm. I ended up kind of going full Monty that you don't see just at the end, but I didn't feel necessary for the story. Although we did, if I always forget, we did hire the nudists in the opening scene, which um, they like to be called naturalists. So the naturalists that were on the set for the nudist colony made it really fun to go to uh, craft services during lunch. <laughs> they're really, they're really natural all the time. Um, so I think, so I think to answer the question, I think that the people who signed up for this knew what they were getting into. Well, since the actors were uh, paid the the low scale, let's give them a nice plug of who you had in the cast that came yes, forward. Yes, of course. Um, so one of the so Aunt Linda, who comes to me in a fever dream, was the um, remarkable Amy Landecker, who we just felt so incredible to get. She's known for Transparent, but also Handmaid's Tale and millions of other. Um, your honor this season, she was just so incredible to work with. Then my mother was played by Linda Pearl, who's just been, she's such a veteran and such a doll and such a professional she's from happy days to 24. She's working all the time, also like an incredible jazz singer. Then Ron Perkins played my father. He's um, was on Brockmire, was on Spider-Man. He's also just like, couldn't have been a more wonderful, sweet, professional man who I think brought so much subtlety to the character. Um, Jeremy Glazer played my brother, um, who's also based on a friend of mine uh, who used to be the president of GLAAD. Uh, Jeremy is working all of the time now. And actually what was very cool is he, after doing this, he'd been on The Good Fight and 24 and um, How I Met Your Mother and um, tons of other incredible sitcoms, but he got inspired to write his own short. And he's actually now touring festivals that he wrote, directed and produced. Um, and then uh, Gabriel, or we call Face Tattoo, who's kind of this guru that comes to me that later in the seasons, if we get to get there, you kind of don't know if he's real or not, was played by this incredible actor named Jesse Garcia, who was on Narcos and from Dusk Till Dawn. And he just got cast as, um, in the Flaming Hot Cheetos saga with Ava, yeah. Ava Longoria, which I'm so excited about. So he's playing the lead in that, um, which we couldn't be more thrilled. And then Sherry Weston was just a firecracker to play the grandmother. And then 
Jonathan Lavallee, who plays Hunter, my old boss, is an incredible actor who is on Casual and Shameless. And he also, uh, we got engaged right after shooting this. So he's also my new husband. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I don't, not, not that, uh, not that many people. So if you rewatch the scene that happens in the bar and like you see how physical we are, it's kind of funny because it's a really ridiculous scene um, where I fall off the bar and he kind of carries me out. Um, and then Christopher Michael Watson plays my love interest in the show. And he's a phenomenal actor too. That was in Chris Hart's um, history, uh, uh, black history, Chris Hart's story of black history. And then also he was on SWAT, a bunch of other shows coming up that I should be Anyways, I'll look for, for that more, but Christopher Michael Watson is an incredible <laughs> actor and he beat all, all of these actors in the party. He was just really, really wonderful. I thought brought a lot of layers to the character. So did you make direct offers to the actors or did you have them audition? Uh, um, actually, most were offers. We were just like, you know, just we, we kind of went out, we worked with an incredible casting director, I should also say, who came on board, Jessica Sherman, who's just, just, such a veteran um, and she did not have an easy job and she was just a delight to work with. So we kind of got down to like, who can we work with? Who's available? And then just wrote like, you know, I wrote a lot of, I give good letters, what I try to say, just thank you <laughs> to do it. I think Christopher was one of the only people that we actually auditioned and he was the best. We had other people that we had, like I had, we hadn't heard of him and he um, kind of beat everyone else out. But yeah, it was kind of pleading letters of fan letters so, but it, it got us, it got us there. And then I got to hand it to you. I, I don't know who your music supervisor was, but they had some great songs from the eighties in there. Yes. I think if we, if we actually sell the show, um, it will probably have to be redone, but, um, most of the music choices were mine, um, Amy French, and then also the director, uh, the editor, Jim Holdridge has a really good musical palette. Um, Justin Michael Lavallee, who, um, is actually my husband's brother works and is a composer out of Berlin. So there's actually some original score in the, the beginning that he really wanted to blend in like eighties power ballads. Um, mm -hmm. So there's like power ballad was kind of the theme, which is kind of, I think Evie, the main character's plight kind of has this grandiose idea of who she is and it's kind of off and not really right. And I feel like that's what eighties power ballads are. <laughs> so, like, so like we kept going back to a lot of them and she's a little like out of touch so like that's so like so we really kind of yeah we stuck with the the hard hair rock and just went with it have you started to shop the pilot to different networks uh, i know you're currently on, a, on an amazon series uh, um, that would be probably my first shot that i would go to and say hey i'm making you money now <laughs> yes um the, the amazon series that i'm on is on amazon and but um there's they stream it but it wasn't an amazon studios venture so we're still in the family um we, this is kind of the first new hurrah. Uh, we, you know, we just kind of finished it right before the pandemic and, uh, you know, everything shut down and while people could see it, you know, no one was shooting anything. And then there's all of the other pilots that, you know, have been on ice that need to go first. So I've kind of just been sitting on my hands. Um, I've been writing on a lot of other projects, but this getting into this festival was, is kind of our first like re coming out party. So I'm hoping that we get to, you know, sit with these characters more and bring more of them to a wider audience after this. Well, the project has uh, won quite a few awards. Tell us about some of the places that uh, you've scored at. 
Yes, um, right before there was a few smaller festivals, the We Make Movies Festival. We Make Movies is an incredible um, community of filmmakers, if people don't know about them, that really um, it's grown globally around the world. They have um, Sydney, Toronto, San Francisco, and here in New York. And um, they had a festival, won Best Pilot, Best Actress, Best Writing. Um, that was exciting. And then <clears throat> one of the best festivals that I was very excited about was last year's Dances with Films Festival. But it was a little upsetting because it's that's known for um, having the festival at the Chinese Man Theater and the after parties at the historic Hollywood Roosevelt. And it's always very thrilling to be there because they're such iconic landmarks of cinema. Um, and unfortunately it was, now we're getting used to it, but I was really bummed at the time because it was a Zoom festival. So they did a really good job of incorporating people. Um, so that one onward there, um, but we just got to, to zoom it in. Although now, you know, it's, it's not, it, the, the good part about that was some of the people that wouldn't have been able to come actually watched all around the globe. Um, and then also got into the Hollywood Real Independent, which is a very cool festival that we did get to see in the theater, um, the LA Regal, it's the Staples Center and LA Live downtown. And that was really thrilling. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so you're on the series with Amazon, 37 Problems. Uh, what's the character that you play on her? And also, actually, uh, Catherine Carlin uh, has been on one of the School of Hollywoods uh, a few weeks back. And I used to manage her as an actress. I didn't know that. Catherine is one of my most favorite people in the entire world. We became so close after that show, and we stay in touch all the time. So um, I love her. She's hilarious. Uh, yes, 37 Problems is a series written and directed and created by Lisa Ebersole who um, cast me in a play that I auditioned for that was off-Broadway that got a lot of acclaim um, called Brother. And I played her younger sister and she kind of had been writing parts for me or with me in mind ever since. And um, the character I play in that is a really kind of terrible, self-centered, uh, sober uh, actress that's her comedic best friend. It's probably a little offshoot of the character that I play in the high life. Um, but 37 Problems is a really fun series if you haven't checked it out. And all the episodes are like six, six minutes. The whole, the whole season is about an hour. And it's um, a comedy about fertility and living in Hollywood and, you know, surviving as a woman. And Catherine Carlin is amazing in it and plays her ridiculously kind of sex-craved, unapologetic mother. Uh, <laughs> and she's great. Yeah. So, so what inspired you to go to the doing a short form like that? Um... For a, for a series instead of holding out for a larger one? You know, I'm so I think I, I, for the 37 problems, I think Lisa would speak to it, but I, she actually likes the shorter content. And I think, you know, everything's kind of changing now. And I'm actually kind of reluctant and kind of like, you know, even old school, I think a lot of us are, but in terms of like, how can you watch a movie on, you know, your computer as opposed to going to the cinema? And I think we're all adapting to like the pros and cons of getting more content. Um, with this particular story, The High Life, there are actually times, I kind of mind the line of drama and comedy. I really want to have really dramatic, high stakes emotions of people that have real heart, but I slather everything up in um, comedy and I want people to get in a lot of trouble. I kind of really want my characters to, to be the ridiculous, embarrassed, you know, ask the embarrassing questions of, of society and of the characters in the show that no one else would be able to on their own. Um, but there was a time where that the show could actually be a drama, you know, and I think some now like the cool thing about how TV is now that there are half hour dramedies or half hour dramas. Um, I think this skews a little bit more comedy, but 
the 37 problems for Amazon, I think she would say one, she wants a lot of people who have less time to be able to watch something quickly. Um, and two, she also self-funded it and, you know, and then ended up getting investors. And if you make a smaller content with a shorter amount, then you, it's easier to make on independently produce and sell. So she sold it to a bunch of different streaming platforms, not just Amazon. So it was really kind of inspiring to watch people just not wait around for the gatekeepers. That's kind of the, the ML. No, it's, uh, and what advice would you give, since you, you play many roles, actually, you're a writer, you're a director, you're a producer, you're an actress, which of those roles is your favorite? Oh, probably, I mean, it's kind of always evolving. Um, I want, acting's fun, so fun when you get the part, the career of being an actor is terrible. I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. Wait, I'm not good at waiting around, which is why I took up on all these jobs on my own. I love writing, but the actual sitting in the chair, which I'm like, unfortunately kind of have an amazing work ethic, but it's also a blessing and a curse because it's really hard and lonely and kind of excruciating. So I feel like I need, I have both sides of my personality. I kind of shack up and like, don't, you know, I called the Venetian blind syndrome where I like, like open up like a little hobbit, <laughs> like hide out for, for what months. And then I come out of my shell and I'm like, I need people to get naked for me on camera. I think ultimately I would love to go towards I, producing and directing though would be, is really great. I genuinely love working with other people and bringing out other people's talents and connecting the dots. And um, so I don't know, I, I, I like it all. The writing is the most difficult, but you really, it all starts with the script as they say. So it's probably what I'm most successful at now. And I'm like, probably I enjoy it the least. <laughs> it's hard and lonely. If you were starting your career over, what changes would you make in it? You know, I think that I would have just kept, I would have kept, I would have kept writing. I think that it took me a while for me to, to think that I deserved to have my own voice and my own, that I had enough stories to be told. Um, I wrote this one feature that I'm now hoping to direct um, a while back that I kind of sat on and I didn't, I think when I was younger that I didn't like, hadn't earned my stripes yet. Um, which I'm realizing like it's, it's untrue of anyone. And I did go through a lot of painful things and a lot of funny things and a lot of relatable things um, in my adolescence. Uh, so I maybe just wish that I kept, I did more of what I'm doing now, which is creating my own things. That being said, I did a ton of theater and I would take off and go broke for, I would bartend for months and go broke for months to do all of this political theater that I thought was really important. And it was just, it's fine if you just like living in a six foot by six foot apartment with like three roommates and having a, you know, futon for <laughs> your, your, your breakfast table, your desk and your bed. <laughs> you know, they're now making robin <laughs> machines too, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say has been the biggest highlight of your career? Oh, I, I would say making this because I, because I, I, I was the, the captain of the ship with also, I had all these co-captains, these women around me that were just incredible, but that was just, it was just the most empowering, the most empowering to have employ people, run the show, make something funny, make something important. Um, it's, there's just nothing like it. I'm, I'm working on some really incredible projects right now, though. I just uh, finished writing, rewriting a uh, $60 million comic feature that Catherine Hardwick's directing um, called Heathen that Joey King's starring in. And it's uh, really exciting. It's a lesbian Viking bio, uh, like adventure. Um, 
And if it gets made, it's going to be as important as cool. Uh, I just turned that in. I'm on a big other studio film right now that Raja Gosnell is directing. He did Smurfs and um, he, uh, Never Been Kissed. And it's like a big Sonic the Hedgehog meets Ted kind of adventure. Um, and then I also wrote this kind of totally different genre. It's this um, really sexy fighting movie. Um, it's a love story about a woman who's a boxing trainer who falls in love with her um who falls in love with the man that she's training it's called perfect eviction and kiana madera who's a star of fear street and ross butler of shazam uh are starring in it and it's going to be shooting next year and castile landon who directed um the new after series which are like the romantic series based on the ya novels novels on netflix um so that's coming out hopefully they're shooting um q1 as they say um so that's been really exciting too and then Last year, I sold a pilot to FX with Rob McElhaney of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Mythic Quest that sadly got shelved, but there may still be hope for us to shop it around again. So that was really fun to work with someone so brilliant and hilarious, but none of that was as good as making my own thing. That is awesome. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, Stephanie Sanditz at Instagram. Pretty, and as we discussed before we started the show, I think I'm the only Stephanie Sanditz. So Stephanie Sanditz on Instagram, find me and um, I'm available. Yeah. I really appreciate you being on the show today. You're going to have a very successful career and, and things are just blossoming for you. And I can't wait to see your feature films and as well as the series being picked up uh, on a major network. This was, I can't wait for those things either. And this was very fun. Thank you for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed another episode of School of Hollywood. Got more coming up for you. Got a reminder. Please like the podcast. Tell your friends about it. And if you haven't checked out the swag, we've got some really cool stuff for you with School of Hollywood on it. Until next time, follow your dreams.